0: Yes,
1: I ah, ah, see. Yes.
0: Yes. My weakness be my strength yes yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My- Very Third, say Amen, amen. <coughs> from the Book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah Chapter Two, Jeremiah Chapter Two, Verse Thirteen. I would that in your time your personal study I want you to study chapter 1 and chapter 2 those of you, you who are involving yourselves in study you will see that we're trying our best to stay in line with our preaching and our teaching so that we can get full benefit of what God is saying to us. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13. These are the words you find there. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. the the fountain of living water, waters and hew them out cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water Amen my people have committed two evils that's what I want for a few minutes to talk about I want to talk about Israel's two evils Israel's two evils. It is my belief, my brothers and my sisters, that the word of God is written and so designed so that the people who read it and the people who study it, if they take it seriously, it will lead them around a lot of troubles. If we read it and we take it seriously, the Word of God will guide you around some problems. You you don't have to make the same mistakes. That others made before you. If you will just familiarize yourself. With the word. Of God. You're not stepping. Into the same hole. If you're going to step in one. Step in a new one. But when the word is in front of you. And let you know. What to look for. You're not made the same mistakes at least we ought to be creative in our mistakes we don't have to make the same mistakes over and over if we read the word of God those of you who have been here you have seen that since the beginning of the year we have spent our preaching time setting the stage as that old-time preacher used to say, I have made my argument. Mm-hmm. We're setting the stage for our focus for this year. And that focus is rebuilding the walls. So we've been spending our time, and by now, by now, all of us who are here and who have been listening, by now, you know that the city of Jerusalem in its heyday, was surrounded and protected by a great wall. If you have been following us and you have been listening to the word that has been preached, you know now the significance of having a city around the wall. If you have been listening and if you have been following, you know that when the temple was destroyed, the wall around the city was also destroyed. But you also know that Nehemiah, that great prophet, he had a grave concern that the wall was down and Nehemiah is the one who sets out to rebuild the wall. You know all of that. You've been listening ever since the first of the year. You know all of that. Now, my brothers and my sisters, this that we have been going over is the whole story in a nutshell but now that, that, that I, I want us now to go back and fill in the blanks because I believe my brothers and my sisters that that is a message that is a right now message a rhema word I believe that there is a word for right now for Salem If we go back, I believe not only Salem, I believe there's a word for the body of Christ. It will help us, my brothers and my sisters, as a people. But I believe not only will it help us collectively, but I believe that we will be helped individually. We'll listen and take heed for what this word and what this word is tailored to teach us. Begin filling in the blanks. We look at the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah saw firsthand, he he was one of those who saw firsthand the people of God straying away from God. He saw with his own eyes and he saw people turning their backs on God and then God called him to give warning to his people. (laughs) Read it, read it. When you study chapter 1, Jeremiah shows, and God is calling Jeremiah, but in chapter 1, you see that Jeremiah shows some reluctance to heed God's call. He, he wasn't quick to jump out there. And I have to tell you, my brothers and my sisters, I, I, I'm a little scared of folk who, who just in a hurry to do this. I get a little concerned about folk who just can't wait to, to jump out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeremiah did like most folk. He, God is trying to get him there, but he's a little reluctant to heed the call of God. Jeremiah was born around 648 BC and he only lived about two miles outside of Jerusalem. Not only that, Jeremiah came from a family of preachers, came from a priestly line, a priestly family that. That meant that Jeremiah knew exactly what was going on in the city. It means that he had an inside track on the political atmosphere and all that was going on in the city. But here, here we are, here, chapter 1, verse 5, we learn learn something, and and you, you need to know this, we learn something about a divine call. This is God, divine, calling his servant Jeremiah. Listen to what he says in chapter 1 verse 5. He says before I formed you in your mother's belly I knew you. Is that in your book? Before I formed you in your mother. Are y'all hearing me? He is saying that's deep. That's deep. He's saying I knew you before your mama ever knew you existed. That's got to be God. He says, I knew you before your mama ever knew that you existed. And then look at it. Go on down. He says, and before you were delivered from the womb, I sanctified you. (laughs) Are y'all hearing me? Before you even come out, I set you aside for me. I sanctified. Now, don't, don't make that more than what He just merely saying, before you got here, I had a job for you. I, sec- I sanctified you. Set you aside for my service. And I ordained, before you ever got here, I ordained you a prophet. And now, now y'all, y'all excuse me. I'm just sort of old timing, just just stuck in my ways. But I still believe in a divine call. I still believe it. I, I just don't believe you just hop up one day and decide you want to preach. I don't. I just don't believe that. I, I just don't believe it's something that you decide you want. You get tired of selling insurance. Thank you preach a preacher. Well, no, I still believe in a divine call. I believe that it is God that calls. Are y'all hearing me? I, I believe it's God that calls his mouthpiece. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, who by then was 20 years old, and he began to protest the call of God. And his excuse and his his protest was based on one thing. He said to God right there in the book, look at verse 6. He says, but I'm just a child. You see that? God is trying to call him. He said, He's telling God. He's making excuses. Telling God. I'm just a child. Let me tell you something. Write this down if you can write fast. <laughs> don't ever render yourself inadequate for what God has deemed you adequate for. I just said something right there. I said don't ever deem yourself inadequate for what God has deemed you adequate for. If God says that's who you are, and that's who you are. If God says that's what you can do, don't you worry about what anybody else thinks about it. That's what you do. One thing that I've learned about God, one thing I've learned about God, it took me a minute, took me a while to finally figure it out. But one thing I've learned about God over time, is that God doesn't make suggestions. All right. <laughs> That's right. I just said something. God, God doesn't make suggestions. You may treat them like suggestions. And the strange thing about God is He will let you treat them like suggestions. He He will give you the freedom to treat His commands like suggestions. But let me tell you something: you will pay in the long run. You'll pay in the long run for treating God's commandments like suggestions. God gave 10 commandments, not 10 suggestions. I know we treat it like that, but those are commandments. But in the end, but in the end, He ends up telling Jeremiah, he he reasoned with him for a while, but in the end, isn't it how God ended this thing up? Verse 7, he ends up by telling Jeremiah, you will go where I tell you to go, and you will say what I want you to say. (laughs) Conversation over. You will go where I tell you to go, and you will say what I want you to say. Now, now God now God begins to give instructions look at verse 8 it's almost like God setting him up he, he knows you're going to go out here and talk to some rough folk look at verse 8 he says be not afraid of their faces <laughs> you almost have to be up here to know what that means <laughs> God said don't don't be scared of the, Don't you, do you know that there are some folk that will try to back you down with their face? <laughs> God said, let me just go on and get this out of the way. There's going to be some folk that ain't going to be happy about what you're talking about and they'll make all kinds of faces. They'll look all kinds of ways, but don't you be scared. <laughs> be not afraid. Are y'all hearing this? It says, be not afraid of their faces. Now, 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 get this next line in verse 8. Get this next line. We're going to walk right down the, the word. He says, for I am with thee to deliver thee. Now, that's power pack right there. I am with thee to deliver thee. Now, I want you to notice something in that one little line there. I want you to know. That God is not promising to keep him out of trouble. All right? But He's saying to him, "I will see you through your trouble." Right. He's trying I'm trying to help somebody out here. God has never promised any of us right. that you won't see some trouble. All right. But His promise is, I will see you through. I will be with you in your trouble. Then it seems that he moved now from the, just listening to God all, of, and all at once and, and the sort of, a, sort of a vision with God. And he says the Lord, now the Lord touched his mouth. So, the Lord touched my mouth. Here's another significant statement right here. The Lord touched his mouth and listen to what God said to him. Behold I have put my word in your mouth. Let's make sure we got that right. My word in your mouth. I'm sending you forth. I'm sending you forth to deliver my message. and get this: My message ought to be delivered in my words. I want to send somebody a message. And I tell you, I want you to go carry a message to somebody. I don't mean for you to editorialize it. On the way. I, I need you to tell them. And are y'all hearing me? You ever had anybody that you ever you ever had anybody do that to you? You tell them to say one thing, and by the time they get there. They done doctored it up, made it sound like they wanted to sound. No, God says, I'm putting my words yeah, yeah, yeah. in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just see if I can show it to you a little better. When we were growing up, <laughs> when we were growing up, one of my brothers... I'm not going to call his name. <laughs> Two of them are here. <laughs> but I'm not going to call names. I'm not going to call names. I'll just let you know it was one of my brothers. I'm going to protect the innocent here. <laughs> I actually protect the guilty. <laughs> but one of my brothers, uh, as he began to age and got to a point where my, my daddy say, we smelling our water, he smelling his water. He, he got gotten a job, and he'd go to work, and somehow he developed a liking for the pool hall. All right. <laughs> he just got to the point where he just liked to go to the pool hall. Now, now he was raised in the same house yes, I was raised in. Yes, but he, he, he'd get off from work with his grown self <laughs> and stop by the pool hall. In a town where we live, small town, you know, everybody knew everybody. Didn't take but one or two somebody to see him and know he didn't belong there. And somebody come by the house and say, Miss Mandy? Your boy. Your boy's up there in the pool hall. Mama would get some of us younger ones, me and... All right. <laughs> some of us younger ones. (laughs) And mama would say, you go down there and you tell that boy that he better get his self (laughs) he better get his self to this house right now. Now now mind you, these are our older brothers. You don't want to embarrass them. So we would go up to Athens Street to the pool hall and wouldn't go in, we just got to the door. And and we yell out, brother. <laughs> I think mama wants you at the house. Mama said, you tell him, I said, get his self in this house right now. We go there and we say, we think mama wants you <laughs> at the house. Now, now we go back home without him, <laughs> and mama said, where is he? Did you tell him what I said? Now truth of the matter is, we didn't. Truth of the matter is we, we editorialized it. We, we 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 sort of made it sound a little better than what mama said. But now all of us in trouble. Not only is he in trouble, we in trouble too, because we didn't do what mama said. Now all of us gotta go down there and get it. And mama. Everybody's are y'all hearing me. My words in your mouth I've I've I, 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 I watched God and I'm listening to what he is saying to Jeremiah he's saying to them and he's beginning to talk to Jeremiah trying to get Jeremiah to go and make sure that he goes in his name I've seen a whole lot of folk enter the ministry in the preaching ministry and they thought when they started that being in the ministry would give them free reign to say whatever they wanted to say (laughs) are y'all hearing me? But I got news for you. I got news for somebody. I got news for you. The pulpit is not a place for you to get your message across. The pulpit is the place for his words in your mouth. But then then Jeremiah goes forth with God's message. He goes forth now with God's message to his chosen people and as he begins to carry the message to the people of God he uses the analogy and look at chapter 2 he uses the analogy of marriage he says to them he says I want you to tell them this you remember the relationship that we used to have this, these are God's words he said you remember how close we used to be. This is God talking to his chosen people. He says, do you remember how, what the relationship with, that we used to have? Do you remember how I loved you? And how you love me back. So Jeremiah, I tell them that you, you remember how we had it, how, how much I love my people and how much they return my love. He says, tell them, you remember how tight we were while you were wandering around out there in the wilderness? You remember how close we were when you were in trouble and I was getting you out? You remember how close we were? You remember how I protected you, how I protected you from anybody who would do you harm. He says, I just want you to remind remind them how we had it going on. How much love there was between us. But in verse 5, there's a change. Basically, in verse 5, he says, what happened to it? What, What happened? what happened uh, I, I, I have to admit I'm not an expert on this because daddy didn't allow a whole lot of this in, in our house but I did hear one time the supreme saying where did love go <laughs> <laughs> y'all sitting there trying to act like y'all ain't ever heard that the supreme <laughs> or maybe y'all just shocked. I know it where did love go what happened where did it go What is it, he's asking them, he says, tell them, ask them this question. What is it about my love and my faithfulness to you that has caused you to walk away from me? What is it about all of the love that I have shown you, that I I, I have been with you, I've brought you out of trouble, I've done so much for you. What is it about that that has caused you to walk away from me and turn to vanity? What is it that has caused you to love yourself more than you love me? How did you come to this point? How did you come to listen? Y'all listen. This is Bible time, but let's see if we can hear them in 2016. How did you come to love yourself more than you love me? How did you come to love your constitution? more than you love me how how have you come to the point where you trust your guns more than you trust me look at verse 7 look at verse 7 he says I have brought you into a land of plenty where well, there is more than enough to eat, but you have totally defied you have totally defiled the land that I brought to you. you. I brought you to a place where you don't have to want for anything. You got plenty to eat, got everything, but you have totally defiled the land that I gave you. You've even caused climate change won't even know when it's summer or winter. You, you missed up are y'all hearing me you've taken my love for you and my heritage, are y'all hearing me, you've taken my love for you and my heritage and made it an abomination I, I have loved you, I have held you up in front of everybody talking about how much I love you and you have made me a laughing stock to the whole world then he begins to identify who the culprits are. It might surprise you. It might surprise you. Look at verse eight. These are the culprits. He said the priest those who are supposed to represent the people before God the problem is the priests don't even know who I am. Are y'all hearing me? Priests. <laughs> Supposed to be representing God and they don't even know God. That's problematic. Next in his line, look at verse 8. He says, then the leaders, the pastors, the shepherds who have been appointed by God to guide and protect the nation, they have lost their own way. And somebody needs to correct them. Are y'all seeing this? And then he goes on down the list and says, Even the prophets, even the prophets who are supposed to be representing me before the people, but rather than declaring my words, they are declaring their allegiance to some worthless idol god, Baal. The God of the Canaanites. But then in verse 10, God suggests that the people go on a field trip so tell him I, I want them to take a field trip I want to go I want to show them something he says I want I want you to learn something God suggests that the people go out he says I want you to go from nation to nation visit some other, other nations and you will find that not one heathen nation not one unbelieving nation has ever abandoned their little small God are y'all hearing me Not one, not one nation, not anybody else has ever abandoned the God that they believe in. And I want you to notice, that's a small G. But none of them, they are unbelievers, they they worship all kinds of things, all kinds of stuff, but not one of them has ever abandoned their God. But my people have changed their glory. They have exchanged their glory for what? Nothing. they have given it all up for nothing. But here's where I want to get to and here's where I'm going to finish this week. Look at verse 13. He says, my people have committed two evils, two sins. They have committed two evils. One is a sin of omission. The other is a sin of commission. First commandment, first commandment, the first commandment. If you go back and look at the first commandment, you'll find that that first commandment, the very first commandment he, he, he said is that, 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 yeah, thou shall have no other gods before me. Are y'all hearing me? They omitted that. And the other one says, thou shalt not make under thee any graven images. They committed that. Are y'all hearing me? They, They omitted that part that says not having a God before, but then they committed the very thing he said don't do. They began to worship idols. Yeah, yeah, God, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. So sin, so 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 here they are. Yeah, they they, they began now to deny they 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 they, they for, have forsaken the very God that has protected them, the one who fed them when they were hungry, the one who brought them water when they were thirsty. Yeah, they just walked away from him. They had written him off as even being their God. But then the sin of commission was that they replaced the true God with false idols. Y'all know what an idol is. An idol idol is anything that you love more than God. It ain't as deep as you think it is. I know you think that it's something real deep. No. If you got anything in your life that you love more than God, that's an idol. I don't care if you sleep with it every night. It's an idol. If you love it more than God. I don't care if you drive it all over town. If you love it more than God. That's an idol. I don't care if you live it in it and love it. If you love it more than God. That's an idol. Then the sin of commission was that they had replaced the true God with false items they exchange everything according to the word they exchange everything for nothing that ain't a good swap you might not be the best negotiator but to swap everything for nothing that ain't a good swap but that's what they did they swapped everything for nothing. Look at this picture that Jeremiah painted for him. He painted a picture for them at the end. He painted a picture that everybody living in that region of Judah. He painted a picture that every one of them would understand. He says, read it. He says, you have abandoned a spring of living running water. For a But not just a system, a broken system that won't even hold water. Y'all hearing this? You need to get this. You have exchanged, you have abandoned a spring of living water. He's trying to paint a picture for him to understand. You have abandoned a spring of living water with ever-flowing water, cool water, flowing all the time. And you have swapped it in for a cistern. And not just a cistern, a cistern that won't even hold water. Let, let, me, let me see if I can help you out here. I, I've traveled, I've, I've been there to Jerusalem and I saw with my own eyes. We fight wars now over oil. That's what we fight over around here. Over there, they don't fight over oil. They fight over water. Because water is so hard to come by. And what he's saying to them, he's saying to them that you have swapped in a spring where water is flowing all the time. Cool, fresh water flowing all the time. You have swapped that in for a cistern. While I was there, I got a chance to see what a cistern was. Out in the middle of a desert dry place, they would dig these deep holes, just dig this way down in the ground and with some steps so you could get out in there. But they would dig them so that if it happened to rain, if it happened to rain, water would collect in those deep holes. And if it happened to rain, they they would have to get buckets and they would have to go down these steps down in this place and and get this water that has been out there in the elements. It's laying out there, but it's water. And they would get it and they would bring it up. But he says, you ain't even swapping your spring for that. You're swapping your spring for a cistern that won't even hold water. What he's saying is that same system I just told you about where they would dig a hole in the ground and then put plaster on the walls and try to catch rain water. Every once in a while there would a crack would come in the wall and, 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 and if, if it cracked the water would seep out and the only thing that would be left in there after the water seeps out is sludge bunch of nasty stuff that that couldn't get through the clack. And what he's saying to them. Is you have traded. Cool ever flowing water. For a system. That has nothing but sludge in it. Are y'all hearing me? You have abandoned. Yeah all that I am. For a broken system. Oh my brothers. And my sisters. This. Lesson is written in this book so that you and I can read it and stay away from making the same mistake. You want to know why stuff like this is in the Bible? It's so that you and me, when we read it, something ought to click in our minds and say, you know what? I ain't doing that. Are y'all hearing me? Yeah, 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 yeah. it's written so that we won't find ourselves trading in life's life-giving stream the source of all life so that we won't trade it in for something that won't even hold water. My brothers and my sisters, my brothers and my sisters in in a world where there are so many distractions. In a world like the one we live in where there are so many alternatives and, and we're all being pushed Yeah, from one side to the other everybody is trying on every side to get you to come their way my word to you today and my word uh, beloved to the children of God is uh, you better stay with the Lord are y'all hearing me my my word to the people of God those who have been washed in his blood those uh, who are called by his name uh, I just thought I ought to stop by and tell you don't be fooled you better stay with the Lord In times like these when right seems to be yielding to might, I just thought I ought to tell you that you need to stay with the one who brought you out of darkness. Stay with the one who brought you out of darkness and into the marvelous light. I just thought I ought to tell you in 2016 to stay with the Lord. Stay with the one who has kept us and never left us somebody ought to stay with the Lord stay with the one stay with the one that brought us through our weary years and through our silent tears I just want to tell you you better stay with the law stay with the one who loved us so much that while we were yet sinners he sent his only begotten son to die in my place somebody ought to stay with the Lord you ought to stay with the one who loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son to die on an old cross stay with the Lord Stay with the one uh, who loved me so much uh, that he put a cross uh, on his shoulder uh, and he never said a word, uh, stay with the Lord, uh, stay with the one who died, who died. Uh, On an old rugged cross Uh, He died for my sins uh, And he died for your sins Uh, Somebody gotta stay uh, With the Lord I don't know about anybody else uh, But I'll stay with him uh, Who got up uh, Early Sunday morning uh, From the grave uh, With all power in uh, His hand. Uh, Yes, uh, don't know about Anybody else uh, But I'll stay uh, with the Lord uh, Somebody said it like this. Some folk uh, seek treasures uh, of houses and land. Some folk uh, seek silver and gold. Uh, These things, uh, they treasure And they forget about their soul. Uh, But I've decided, uh, I've decided, uh, I've decided uh, to make Jesus uh, my choice. Uh, Yes, uh, yes back at First Baptist Church yeah, in Gainesville, Georgia. Yeah, that was a mother pearl moon uh, and she said like this, I'll uh, take Jesus for mine. I'll uh, take Jesus for mine. You can have uh, this whole world but I'll uh, take Jesus for mine. In sickness, uh, I'll take Jesus for mine. When I'm in trouble, yeah, I'll take Jesus for mine I've decided I've decided you gotta make a choice I've decided to make Jesus my choice in the words of my daddy I just believe I just believe you ought to dance with the one that brung you <laughs> are y'all hearing me huh? I just believe that we ought to stay with the one that brought us I I, I, I I can only imagine the heart of God who has led us through weary years who have led us through silent tears who who brought us when we had nobody on our side and now we come to a place in life where we got two or three nickels in our pockets and all at once, that stuff is old fogey. All at once, we don't believe that stuff no more. You better make Jesus your choice. Yes, thou will confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Some folk rather yeah.